You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Now, White Sox Weekly, the official weekly talk show covering all things White Sox baseball. Get the fireworks ready. White Sox Weekly on WLS AM 890. Welcome into White Sox Weekly here on WLS AM 890. I'm Connor McKnight, and we are getting closer and closer to Sox Fest 2018. We'll tell you all about the event, and it's coming up. We're going to be the entire weekend long here on WLS, and looking forward to seeing you there. But before we let our excitement for Sox Fest 2018 carry us away, let's get a couple of things out of the way here on the show this afternoon. Lots to get to. We'll talk a little free agency. I, I want to do a little bit of a thought experiment with you here on the show and talk about some of the uh, some of the free agents that are still out there and eligible for teams to go sign them. And I want to see if I can, I don't know, jog some jog some thinking, put the caps on, I suppose, and and figure out whether the White Sox could do something out of the ordinary, I guess, in signing a free agent or two. Uh, some arbitration numbers came in this last weekend. Didn't get a chance to get to them on last week's show, so we'll do them here and let you know that uh, a lot of your White Sox have been locked up through arbitration, but there are still two players that are looking to settle things in, and I, I think the the values that have come out via reports for both Yolmer Sanchez and Avi Garcia make for some interesting baseball talk in and of themselves. We're not just going to bury ourselves in contract discussion. We will, however, talk a little bit more uh, about that free agency period and about the the 40-man and 25-man rosters with Colin Whitchurch of Baseball Prospectus, BP Southside. He actually has a piece up there um, asking, is the White Sox 25-man roster set? Uh, The actual title of the piece is, is there anything left on the White Sox shopping list? We'll get to Colin Right after the 12:30 news, about 12:35 or so, we'll talk with Colin and uh, and find out if that if there is a few more things he'd like to see the White Sox pick up out of the shopping aisles in free agency. Um, the hitters camp has come and gone. A lot of the top prospects in the White Sox organization were down at the Glendale campus and plying their trade for their coaches and a couple of different reporters who were down there. And I. If you haven't read them, I have, and that's what the show is for. We can get you the latest on those guys. Some things that you heard out of these hitters' camps, out of the hitter camp, was pretty interesting stuff. Uh, we've got some bromances brewing between a few White Sox players. We've got some darn good skill on display. Uh, we've also got a we've also got a, a, a baseball wide story that's been making the rounds and percolating quite a bit. The and this came out Thursday. There are, and, and we've talked about this quite a bit on White Sox Weekly. We've talked about it a bit with uh, with players. Um, we've talked about it some with front office guys, too. There's going to be an effort to speed up the game in what looks like 2018, and if not, then sooner rather than later. The methods by which baseball and the players' union are thinking about speeding up the game are, first, multifaceted, and second, in dispute, it seems. Uh, Jeff Passan, Yahoo Sports, and Ken Rosenthal via The Athletic had both done some reporting on this late this past week uh, about the impasse and uh, about the rejection by the Players Union 
uh, in terms of how baseball wants to try and speed up the game. We'll get to that probably after our first break here and get more into depth as to what those ways are and, and what those processes could be. But I'll, I'll leave it here, and this will be the tease until after the break. Uh, the Players Union has rejected it, which means that baseball can still instill, still put in those rules, those new rules to speed up the game, but they'd have to do it without the agreement of the Players Union, which would obviously be a sticking point. Uh, real quick here before we get to some of the arbitration things. Sox fans, it's never too early to lock in a 2018 ticket package. Full and partial ticket plans are available, including a lower-level 10-game plan starting at $230. You can take advantage of great benefits like discounted pricing and flexible payment plans. For more information, call 312-674-1000 or visit whitesox.com. So let's get into the news from late last week about the White Sox and arbitration numbers. All of baseball had to come to terms or settle, I suppose, before they go to arbitration with their players. It's still settled, still possibility of getting things hammered out. Um, few players in the White Sox organization were able to lock things down, most notably Jose Abreu. Remember, he opted out of his of his initial deal with the White Sox. That was a part of it. After three years, he could go into the typical arbitration process just like anybody else who served three years in the big leagues, and he opted to do that kind of betting on himself. What was interesting here is Jose and the White Sox agreed to a $13 million deal, but a lot of the projection systems had his value for a lot more than the 13 that was reportedly settled on between Jose and the Sox. 17.9, I don't know if you follow MLBTradeRumors.com, but they have a really good projection system for figuring out what players are going to get in arbitration based on past performances and other players like that getting money made. You get it. Uh, Jose settling it, uh, getting 13, saves the White Sox perhaps a bit of money. He's certainly getting a raise from where he was last year. Just a, a really great season from Jose last year, and I too kind of thought he'd get a few more dollars, but 13 million is nothing to be ashamed of. He's the second highest paid player on the White Sox right now. Uh, two guys still waiting to come to terms with the Sox. Yolmer Sanchez and Avi Garcia, neither apart by all that much. Yolmer at 235 and the Sox at 2.1, according to reports. And Avi Garcia at 6.7 with the Sox at 5.85. I, there's your biggest split. And, you know, we talked so much about Avi Garcia all through the season and just how good he was, how much of a revelation's probably the wrong word in that. Sox organizational front office coaches that kind of thing saw this potential in Avi when they traded for him all those years ago from Detroit but he'd yet to realize it that part was pretty obvious so putting up the numbers he did the 330 batting average the uh the ungodly ba- batting average in balls in play a really solid on base percentage and some decent slugging numbers for the first time in his career kind of makes it you know a little bit of a I would imagine an interesting case for the arbitration process again a 330 average a 380 on base and a 385 slugging percentage for Avi Garcia over 561 plate appearances last year you compare those numbers with his career averages up to that point a 258 average a 310 on base a 385 slugging and it, it doesn't even look like the same it doesn't look like the same player, not even a little bit. So, you know, it's to be understood that there's a bit of a distance between those two sides. That said, the White Sox haven't gone to arbitration in the better part of twenty years, and I don't think 
that $1 million separates Avi Garcia from playing with the White Sox uh, or going to arbitration, I suppose, coming up in a little bit. So uh, that brings us to our, our next little point here, and that's the lineup. That's free agency. I mean, things are fairly set. The the contracts, the payrolls all look about set right now. Uh, Cott's contracts has the White Sox figured for about $70 million. You take the, let's see, the averages between the Ulmer numbers and the Avi numbers, you tack on maybe another, oh, maybe another eight. Let's call it just under $80 million for the 2018 season. And that's a payroll. That's a 25-man roster. That's a 40-man that looks fairly set, too. But when we come back, I, I want to talk a bit about, and we'll set it up here just briefly. There's been a lot of writing uh, about the free agents that are still on the market, right? Baseball prospectus is top 15 free agents. Of the top 15, 11 of them remain unsigned. Guys like you, Darvish, Eric Hosmer, guys like Alex Cobb and Mike Moustakis, Jay Bruce, Lance Lynn, and Jake Arrieta, right? All those guys are in that mix. And I'm not saying, hey, maybe the White Sox ought to get involved with what's essentially at some point going to be a $100 million plus deal for you, Darvish, or get into the seven-year $100 million contract that a guy like Eric Hosmer might get. I'm not asking for that, nor am I saying that that's where this thought experiment is going. But I am saying this. All across baseball in its past, there's been, and, and really in any kind of competitive business like this, there's an advantage to, as they put it, zigging when everyone else is zagging. And that's kind of the idea that I want to ask about when we come back from the break. We'll talk about the uh, the rules to speed up the game some. We'll talk about the differences between the union and Major League Baseball when we come back and how that might affect you know the, the very speed of the game you're watching when you tune into the White Sox next season. But I, I want to bring up the idea of zigging versus everyone zagging and see maybe if I can just bend your ear a little bit to the idea, even with a White Sox team that is building toward the future. White Sox fans, you can sign up for SoxFest 2018 right now to receive a Hawk Harrelson talking bobblehead. The exclusive giveaway item is only available through SoxFest hotel packages. Join us January 26th through January 28th for a weekend of White Sox baseball you won't want to miss. It's next weekend, by the way. For those of you who are calendar challenged, I am. If I don't see it, I have no idea. January 26th through January 28th, that's next weekend. Hotel packages are available now at whitesox.com slash SoxFest. We'll be right back. More White Sox Weekly on the other side of a quick break. I'm Connor McKnight. This is WLS AM 890. Welcome back to White Sox Weekly here on WLS AM 890. I'm Connor McKnight, and you can join us in Glendale, Arizona for White Sox Spring Training. Single game tickets for the 2018 Cactus League season at Camelback Ranch are on sale right now and start at just $10. To purchase tickets online, visit whitesox.com slash spring or camelbackranchbaseball.com. You can also call one 800 3520212. All right, back at it here on the show. And before we left, we teased two different things coming up in this segment here, and we're going to get to both of them as best we can before the 1230 news. Just after the 1230 news, we'll expound some on the free agent market with Colin Whitchurch of BP Southside, and, and we'll clean things up in our last segment before we go. We got some notes from the hitters camp. 
We've uh, got some stuff on free agency. We've also got this news on Major League Baseball trying to implement uh, rules that will speed up the game. We'll get to most of it here, but I, uh, right before we hit the break, I threw out this idea that, and it's not novel, I'm not pretending to have come up with this and unleashing this giant nugget of baseball wisdom on you. I, I'm just kind of taking something that every offseason, a team, some teams find themselves in this situation, and guys like me probably start to wonder. I'm sure fans like yourself do too. This free agent market has, for the most part, hit a stall, Right. Um, we've been waiting for some of the big names to sign, and there's been a lot of writing about, a lot of pontificating about whether or not some of those big names have slowed down the market, whether or not some of the big names in next year's free agency are slowing down this year's market, whether or not luxury taxes for the teams that are right up there against it have anything to do with signing free agent to, free agents at this point. I think perhaps some of those factors have a little bit to do with what's going on. I, I think in large part, and we won't deal with the, the bigger forces at work here on the show just because we've only we've only got an hour. Maybe when our show goes two hours, once spring training goes, we'll, we'll start to deal with it. But Jeff Pass and Yahoo Sports wrote a really interesting piece on the market forces inside the game. If you want to read a little bit more about what's impacting this free agent market, and perhaps you, you haven't looked at it much because the White Sox themselves – seem somewhat set we're going to buck against that idea a little bit here in, in a few minutes but you know, by and large the white Sox seem solid good to go so maybe you haven't looked at this free agent market some let me let me, let me get at the point i suppose what maybe sparked my interest here was the mets just this last week signed adrian gonzalez to the minor league minimum Adrian obviously has had some health issues and not the greatest of seasons last year, to be sure. But the Mets are looking for somebody to fill that first base job. There's a little competition there, and they figure, why the heck would we not take a flyer on Adrian Gonzalez for no money and see what happens? That's taking a flyer, right? That's making a move on a guy who doesn't have many options left, seeing if there's anything left, and kicking the tires and rolling it around. That's a little bit like the Jimmy Rollins signing a few years ago by the White Sox. See what's left. See if you can get something out of that, you know, renowned veteran. What I'm talking about is maybe a next step up after that, but well below signing one of the top guys in free agency. I, I, I'll probably say this, uh, end up saying it five or six times on the show today, but I, in no, in no way am I advocating necessarily for the White Sox to go out and lay good money on Udarish. I'm not saying go grab J.D. Martinez. I'm not even saying that Mike Moustakis is a guy you've got to have, despite the fact that we heard some rumors about tire kicking earlier in the offseason i'm wondering this i'm wondering if you can go after a free agent i'm wondering what you think about the white Sox, perhaps going after a free agent that doesn't fit the current competitive window the long-term youth movement that we've seen the white Sox put themselves flush against here in the last 18 months what if there's a guy out there that kind of fits more of the middle ground a guy at that 31, 32-year-old range who can play a spot that you've got a little bit of flexibility with. I'm thinking of places like maybe left field, maybe center field, maybe third base some. You know, you've got the DH, so you've got a, a few at-bats to spread around there. What if you're looking at signing a guy like that and in the same way that you flipped Anthony Swarzak, in the same way that you wanted to try and move Derek Holland if his 2017 had gone a little bit better, in the same way that you were signed Miguel Gonzalez just a couple of weeks ago and in 
with the candor that has been a hallmark of this organization as it's altered its sights, perhaps dealing Miguel down the line if he pitches well to another contender and recouping some prospects there. Maybe you can do that in free agency if no one else is. Now, obviously, some of this is going to be information that only GMs have, right? I mean, if, if we're at a market impasse because of, you know, factors that only insiders are able to see and, and contemplate and fathom, then, you know, we're just kind of barking into the night sky. And what else are we going to do in a free agent market that's not doing much? The White Sox seem set to go, and I got a week to wait before, before Sox Fest happens. You know, so we've got some time. But I'm thinking this. Just a couple of names that popped out to me here on a free agent list. A guy like Eduardo Nunez. Had a terrific season for the Red Sox and the Giants last year. Maybe he's a guy you're able to sign for something small on the years side. Maybe something uncharacteristic of what you've tried to do so far on the money side. And that's a guy that clearly teams last year wanted to move, wanted to have, see if they could do anything with. He was on the move at the deadline. How about a guy like Carlos Gonzalez? You know, maybe not in the same category as Eduardo Nunez, but he did play well in the second half. Perhaps you even take something more in the Adrian Gonzalez category, more of a flyer, Jose Bautista or Jason Wirth, who themselves, yeah, aging and, and coming off seasons that aren't the Jason Wirth or Jose Bautista seasons of five, six years ago. But because you've got some at-bats you could spread around there, maybe you give a chance to a veteran. Maybe he's able to impress a little bit. Maybe we're able to move him. Other names I thought about, just just for sake of throwing him around. Melky Cabrera, familiar, right? Colby, Colby Rasmus, too. Todd Frazier might be on that list as well. There are more down the line, and, and who knows, maybe especially arm-wise, pitching-wise, the White Sox are in a position to make uh, another move like that, another bullpen arm, or, or perhaps even another arm for the rotation that you can be uh, somewhat flexible with that might be on the move sometime later. That could happen as well. But I, I thought, you know, if, if we're so busy looking at guys to take flyers on in the rotation or in the bullpen, why not take a look on the other side? And why not dance just a little bit with something that's maybe out of your price range some, Maybe it didn't quite fit your wallet now, but in theory, if you're able to move him, and I know there's the flip side of the coin. What if he gets hurt? What if he's not the guy? What if he, you know, does he saddle your payroll from here on out? Yeah, absolutely. Those kind of concerns are are those that I would I would say, yeah, you have to take a look at those before you just jump willy-nilly into that free agent pool and, and make a move like this. You've got to make sure that it fits, even if it goes bad, I suppose. Risk analysis, right? But for for the most part, you know, in those specific positions that we kind of talked about, you know, we're not talking about shortstop or second base or really even, you know, first base to a point. Made a move to get Wellington Castillo, so the catching situation seems somewhat wrapped up. Avi Garcia is your all-star right fielder. Center field is, is interesting. Maybe Adam Engel could profit more. Or maybe the organization thinks Adam Engel could benefit more from bat-wise from time in AAA, certainly his defense is major league quality. Uh, left field for Nicky Delmonico. I think a lot of fans in the front office feel Nicky's ready to test the bat against major league pitching. Um, but, you know, you have a DH spot. You've got third base. You've got ways to work him into a lineup and be a little creative is all I'm saying there. Uh, we've run it up to the 1230 news, so we get to get out of here in just a second. We'll get back to the um, to the pitch clock rules 
and to the conversation between Major League Baseball and the Players Union uh, after the news. But coming up right after the news, we'll talk with Colin Whitchurch of BP Southside a little bit more about this free agent market. You can give the perfect gift for the biggest Sox fan in your life during the Fan Experience Sale. Experiences include on-field access during batting practice, change the base, and more. All experiences include game tickets and VIP perks. For more information, call 312-674-5396 or email SoxExperience at WhiteSox.MLB.com today. I'm Connor McKnight. More White Sox Weekly after the news. This is WLSAM 890. Welcome back into White Sox Weekly here on WLSAM 890. I'm Connor McKnight and joining me on the other side of the line. The lines have sides. Colin Whitchurch of BP Southside. You can find his stuff there, bpsouthside.com. Hey, Colin, thanks for coming on the show. Hey, Connor, thanks for having me. Absolutely. Uh, We will save the eternal and lifelong question of do lines have sides for a little bit later on in the afternoon. But we wanted to talk because (laughs) your latest on BP Southside is titled, Is There Anything Left on the White Sox Shopping List? And we've spent some time today talking a little bit about the free agent market, about the the slowdown that apparently teams have hit, and I've kind of been pondering out loud whether or not there's any benefit to signing somebody that maybe doesn't fit the White Sox M.O. right now, but if nobody else is going to take him, perhaps there's a discount, and perhaps there's an ability to move that player on for the prospects that do fit the timeline more. Uh, Wonder, I guess, first and foremost, your thoughts on that general and large topic, and then we'll get into, I suppose, some specifics that might be on the White Sox shopping list from here on out. Sure. You know, it's interesting you say that about, you know, signing someone who might not be um, part of their long-term plan because when the offseason began, you know, obviously you always have those crosstown comps. The the Cubs signed John Lester when they were maybe, uh, you know, a year or two away from thinking they were going to contend, hoping that he would be around for the contention. So that idea was batted around a little bit. You know, the name that came to mind for me was someone like Lorenzo Cain, maybe. If they think that he's going to age well enough that they could fit him into their long-term plans where he could come in. And sure, even with Lorenzo Cain or someone like that, in 2018, they probably still wouldn't be competitive, but maybe he would fit into their plans in 2019, 2020 if he aged well. You know, I never really thought that they would do something like that, and obviously it seems like they're not going to do something like that. But I think that Rick Hahn and the staff seem smart enough to where if an opportunity like that came about, I think that they would jump on it. You know, whether or not Jerry is willing to spend that kind of money is to be determined. But I do definitely think that's an interesting idea and something that I'm sure that they've at least, you know, discussed internally. Yeah, I mean, things, so many market forces would kind of have to come back to the White Sox piece of the market here in order for it to happen. But you you mentioned a couple of guys who fall into what might be the one-year contract category, guys like Jose Bautista, guys like Jason Wirth, or maybe Colby Rasmus, I think are the three that you mentioned in the article. And, you know, just from a strict playing time standpoint, you could find ways to wiggle either one of those three guys into a White Sox lineup and perhaps move that player on to another club if, you know, the trade deadline kind of demanded that guy more than than your roster did at this point. Yeah, and all, all, all of those types of moves are really, you know, kind of low-risk, high-reward type things. We saw it last year with Derek Holland, you know. It was just kind of a, a veteran who had battled some, some rough years, a rough year or two, um, 
you know, trying to rebuild his value, you know, and, and go into the market next year and get a payday. Obviously, it didn't work out with Derek Holland, and it might not work out with any of those guys. I was just looking at that type of player, mm-hmm. you know, someone someone on the older side, someone who would probably be willing to take a one-year deal and rebuild their value. Um, the guy who I who I kind of led that off with um, was Carlos Gonzalez, someone I've always been enamored with. And I know the White Sox had been linked to in trades in years past when they were actually trying to compete. Um, You know, you look at his numbers, and obviously people always talk about the Coors factor. Yeah, his numbers at home were always a lot better than they were on the road. Um, But he had a terrible first half in 2017 and then had a really good second half. And I don't know, you know, the way the market's playing out with all these other free agents still sitting out there could get to the point where you get to the end of the offseason and Carlos Gonzalez is still sitting out there for cheap. I think he's 34 years old. So if he's looking to rebuild his value and, and try to get one more big payday in his career, that, that would be a move that, that kind of fit into my mind. We've been talking a lot, talking with Colin Whitchurch of BP Southside right now here on White Sox Weekly. But we've been talking a lot on the show about the free agent market and exactly who's still out there. You uh, you actually linked to, and I was looking at this list from Aaron Gleeman a little earlier today, uh, the top 11 of the top 15 from baseball prospectus are still unsigned. You Darvish, Eric Hosmer, J.D. Martinez, Lorenzo Cain, who we mentioned, Alex Cobb, Jake Arrieta, Lance Lynn, Mike Moustakas, Greg Holland, Jay Bruce, Todd Frazier. There is one other name on that list that kind of, you know, picks up your interest just a little bit, maybe, but obviously it comes with the caveat of the price has to be right. Todd Frazier did a decent enough job for the White Sox while he was here. Your third base spot is interesting in Yalmer Sanchez and Matt Davidson. Uh, Frazier could have some value to another club a little bit later on. Is What say you to adding another veteran piece to that corner of things, the Yolmer Sanchez-Matt Davidson idea, whether it's Frazier or or somebody else. You've got a little bit of inexperience there at the hot corner. I completely agree with you. Third base is one of the areas where, you know, maybe the White Sox want to ride with, with Yolmer and with Davidson over there. And you could say the same thing in left field and center field, whether or not they want to roll with Delmonico, whether or not they want to roll with Adam Engel or Leary Garcia or any of the other options they have there in center. Um, you mentioned Todd Frazier. It's funny because they, they did that exact thing with Miguel Gonzalez. Mm-hmm. They traded him, and then they brought him back on a one-year deal to or to, uh, to rejoin the rotation. And the, another name out there, which I think fans would love, which I would personally love, is Melky Cabrera is also still sitting out there on the free agent market. So, you know, I, I don't know if, if they're going to do something like that. You know, there's a, there's a fine line you got to kind of balance between finding veterans – on one-year deals that you can maybe flip again and also wanting the kids to play, you know, because you, you want, you know, Yolmer had a really impressive 2017 relative to expectations. Delmonico came out of nowhere. Adam Engel showed plus defense and base running um, while well, he hasn't really figured it out with the bat yet. So you, you don't want to take away reps from those guys because you want to figure out if those guys are going to be part of your future or not. So it's a fine line they kind of got to balance between getting those veterans, trying to recoup more value out of them, while also letting the kids play. You know, interesting you bring up some of the kids, too, because uh, defense kind of popped my mind. As much as we think about the lineup and Nicky Delmonico's left-handed bat kind of mixing in and Yolmer hitting from both sides, I think it was Ricky Renria who talked a lot this last season about Adam Engel's defense in center field. And I think, uh, actually, I think you and I talked about it on the show at some point last year, how while Adam was struggling with a bat, to be sure, that kind of defense out there certainly, and, and in a very clear and obvious way, helps a young pitching staff. Are there 
are there moves like that? I mean, this this lineup seems, you know, set enough with some young kids that you want to see have, you know, at least a, a go at the major leagues. But are there defensive guys, you think, in this system, guys who are specifically glove first that maybe get more PT or, or perhaps free agents who might get the same uh, kind of look in order to help along something that's so important to the White Sox, that pitching depth? Well, I mean, Angle Angle is the, the the obvious one there, and it is it is tough. You know, some of those fringe prospects. The reason they're fringe prospects is because they don't have all the tools. They have one or two or three plus tools. Um, you know, Angle is a perfect example because his glove is a really positive tool, and his speed's a really positive tool. But his bat, his power, um, you know, stuff like that just haven't quite developed. As far as guys in the system, you know. Um, Geez, you know, trying trying to think of of guys who who are kind of uh, up there defensively is tough. The the thing that I that I think kind of in the opposite direction is is you look at a guy like Eloy Jimenez, who obviously sure. is seems seems like as as much of a sure thing prospect as as you can imagine. And and the things I hear, the things I read, uh, you know, from people I talk to is that they're the, the one concern with him is his defense. A lot of people think he might be a first baseman once he gets to the to the later part of his career. So, you know, finding finding the guys who who have it all, you know, obviously if you could find everyone who who had all those tools, it would be a lot easier. Yeah. But uh, having having the balance between between bat first guys and the glove first guys, and obviously helping the pitching staff, like you said, with defenders out there like Engel, um, especially. You know, if he's if he's patrolling the center field with uh, Evasel Garcia and Nicky Delmonico, who aren't necessarily known for their gloves, I think that's definitely important when you have Giolito and Falmer and Ronaldo Lopez out there on the mound. So we've talked a lot about the uh, the offensive side of, of perhaps adding on to what the White Sox have at the 25-man level. Do you, you know, Colin, before we let you go here, do you think that there's a move left on the pitching side of things? We've, we've seen the, the trade that picks up Joaquin Soria and Luis Avilan. We've seen Miguel Gonzalez sign. There's, you know, potentially room for another arm via free agency if the White Sox wanted to make that happen. Do you, do you see a fit there? Do you see a move there, or is uh, is going set into spring training a better option in your point of view? You know, I if I had to guess, I think that they're probably about as close to the forty man we're going to see into spring training as possible. You know, when I wrote the article that you mentioned, that was before the trade for. Uh, Rondon and the tra- and the signing of Miguel Gonzalez. I think the forty man roster is at forty right now. Yeah. So they would they would need to they would need to to do some shuffling around um, in order to add someone else. And you know, the rotation is about what I would expect it to be going into spring training. You know, um, Carlos Rodon's health for the start of the season is a question mark. Um, but with the addition of Miguel Gonzalez, you still have five guys there. Um, with Gilito, Lopez, Shields, Falmer, Gonzalez, as I'm assuming going to be your your opening five rotation when the season starts, pending Rodon's health, and that's fine. You know, you you definitely want those top three guys, those Gilito, Lopez, and Falmer, to to pitch as much as they can, so you can figure out are they starters, are they relievers? Mm-hmm. You know, what do we have for those guys going future? You know, the bullpen, like you mentioned, the additions of Soria and Avilon kind of add some veteran help there on the back end of the bullpen along with Nate Jones to the young guys who they want to get in. So I, I don't see any more moves happening, but 
you know, the way this market has played out, who knows, you know, Rick Hahn could still have another trick or two up his sleeve. Yeah, it's certainly played to a point where teams that might not have expected to do something may now be inclined because of the inaction. Uh, but, uh, but again, you know, you have to fit that, like you've said, uh, you have to fit that into your, your team forecast and your team, uh, your team expectations. Colin, appreciate it as always, my friend. Hopefully we'll uh, make it down to spring training again this season. We'd love to see you. You know, I'm still a TBD on that. I really want to, uh, you know, if I make it, if, if all the scheduling works out, then I'll look forward to seeing you down there. All right. I know a couple of places we get a soda pop or two. Colin, thank you so much. We'll talk to you again soon. For sure, anytime. Thanks, Connor. That's Colin Whitchurch, a baseball prospectus. BP Southside is the website. You can find him on Twitter at CO Whitchurch. We'll be back with more White Sox Weekly in just a couple of minutes. I'm Connor McKnight. This is WLS AM 890. Sox Weekly here on WLS AM 890. I'm Connor McKnight. We've got the last couple of minutes here with you on this fine Sunday, the Sunday before Sox Fest 2018. White Sox games are better with a group. Group events are perfect for clients, employees, celebrating or fundraising. Bring your group of 10 or more for a great experience with specially priced tickets. It's never too early to start planning 2018. For more information, call 312-674-6330 or visit White Sox. Com. All right, two things left here on the show and a couple of things we talked about earlier. The hitters camp has wrapped up in Glendale. A lot of the top prospects for the White Sox and a few guys who had played at the major league level last season were down in Glendale working with Todd Steverson. Ricky Renteria had the eyes of the front office on them as well. We talked with Chris Getz, the director of player development, last week on the show. And by the way, in case you missed that interview or any of the interviews we do here on White Sox Weekly, you can head over to the website WLSAM.com slash White Sox. That's WLSAM.com slash White Sox. And you can download each and every one of the shows for your listening pleasure. You can listen to them at your leisure. I should get that trademarked or something. That's a pretty good phrase. Uh, so all of that's there. Getz was down there taking a look at some of the hitters, and he talked about what the White Sox were Hoping to get as an organization out of this hitters camp had a lot of good things come out of last season's last spring's hitting camp last winter really that hitting camp and uh, hoping for the same in this one. Here's a couple of things I can share for you, share with you uh, from those who were down there. James Fegan of the Athletic reporting that uh, and, and talking with Jake Berger, the White Sox first round pick of this last draft. Berger's talking about trying to get more air under the ball and and really talking about it from. I thought a different perspective than we've seen some of the swing remakes, you know, a lot of writing before last season that the Arizona Diamondbacks had a number of guys and Mitch Haniger who had left the Diamondbacks and on to the Mariners, a lot of writing about those guys and how they'd reshaped swings kind of become, this probably simplifies it too much, but kind of become these Josh Donaldson disciples where, you know, they're looking to put everything in the air, quite literally everything in the air. Uh, Jake Berger kind of going after that as well saying he wants 0% ground balls in his next season. Uh, that's not going to happen for Jake, but it's a worthy goal to have. And that doesn't necessarily mean, we hear Todd Steverson talk about this a lot, that doesn't necessarily mean he's trying to hit a home run on every swing. 
that means line drives, you know, count as balls in the air. Fly balls count as balls in the air. Home runs count as balls in the air. And Jake kind of talked about it from this perspective. He's not a fast guy, right? His game is hitting for power. And power, I think especially in the increased home run environment that we've seen over the last two baseball seasons, three baseball seasons, okay, more than that, four or five baseball seasons, that's kind of in some way been attached had a, had a negative connotation attached to it. Oh, he's just swinging for home runs. He's an all-or-nothing kind of guy. That's not been the case with a lot of hitters over the last few years. Certainly it has been with some. Uh, but as you're going for more air under the baseball, uh, there are line drives that can drop. Todd Severson likes to talk about this a lot. Uh, we, we talked about it some, I think, on the last White Sox Weekly of the regular season with Todd. Line drives are hits three times more often than fly balls. So you know, that's something to take a look at there. Uh, there are bromances developing in the White Sox hitters camp. Uh, Nicky Delmonico and Jake Berger have become pretty close. Uh, Jose Abreu, just like he took Yoan Mancada under his wing, Yoan Mancada has seemingly taken Luis Robert under his wing as well. Uh, a lot of growing there between uh, those three guys, all of, them, all of them Cuban, all of them countrymen, of course. And Jose played with Yoan, and Yoan played with Luis. So it's a nice little cadre of players there, a nice little group to have together as they you know, shift cultures and shift into much more difficult pitching. Each of them, well, maybe not Jose Abreu, he's been at the big league level for a while, but Yoan in his first full season uh, this coming year, and Luis Robert's going to see his first action stateside this season as well. Uh, a few guys are taking a look at third base and, and taking reps there. Nicky Delmonico, one of them, first and third. It's the hitters camp, but they talked a little defense too. And uh, Fegan Wright wrote that uh, Ryan Cordell, was acquired from the Brewers for Anthony Swarzak has brought his third base glove around and thinks he may, in fact, uh, get around to playing some third base in the minor leagues at some point this year, too. So write that down. A little bit of news, too, um, and this is the national uh, large MLB news that's been going around over the weekend. And this was reported first by the Athletics' Ken Rosenthal and then followed up on in a real thorough way by Jeff Pass and Yahoo Sports. I'm going to do a little reading here, but I promise to do as, as, as succinctly as I can. Um, this is from the report on Yahoo Sports. A pitch clock and stricter rules on mound visits in the 2018 season may indeed be coming around the corner. Uh, I'll paraphrase here, but essentially the union has rejected, it seems, some of the ideas to speed up the game. The major, the offices of Major League Baseball can still unilaterally implement some changes. It still has that tool the impetus behind this being that average game times last year, three hours and eight minutes. And the offices of Major League Baseball think they can shave 10 minutes off of that average game time by making a couple of changes to these rules. Here's where the reading comes in. Stick with me. Uh, Mr. Passon has it uh, has it usually pretty darn accurate. So I figure why, why change what the Bard has wrote. MLB intends to use a 20-second pitch clock with the bases empty and runners on, according to the memo. In the proposed agreement, the pitch clock would have been 18 seconds with the bases empty and would have been shut off with runners on. The clock will start when a pitcher has the ball on the mound and stop when the pitcher begins his windup or comes set. That's an important thing to remember here. If the pitcher steps off the rubber, the clock resets. Batters must be in the box five seconds after the clock starts. Should a pitcher run afoul of the rule... He will receive one warning per game. The next violation will result in an automatic ball. The penalty will begin on opening day as opposed to the rejected proposal, which would have delayed the implementation until May 1st. 
Anytime uh, there's also restrictions, that's all from passing. This will be too. Anytime a coach, manager, or player visits the pitcher on the mound or a pitcher leaves the mound to confer with a player, that counts as a visit. You get six no-change visits, and then after that, the second visit to a pitcher in the same inning, he must exit the game. The pitcher, not the guy visiting, of course. There's also a 30-second clock between batters. Uh, each hitter receives one morning per game there. And also, the innings breaks, and, and this won't change much, I think, for viewers or for listeners, uh, fans of the game. Innings breaks will change. It'll be two minutes, 20 seconds, 240 for national games. And the warm-up. <clears throat> Warm-ups for pitchers will change as well. You'll get a maximum of six warm-up pitches. You have to have 35 seconds left on the clock between innings. Those are some of the smaller changes there. But still, a a resounding change to Major League Baseball overall and something we wanted to bring up here. I'm sure we'll be talking to a lot of White Sox players about these potential changes at SoxFest this next weekend. Spring training is coming quick, almost as quickly as SoxFest. You can join the Bulls Sox Youth Academy on President's Day, February 19th, for a fun three-hour baseball or basketball camp. Two sports stars, where you can make a day of it by having fun developing your skills in both sports. Camps are open to boys and girls ages 5 to 14. Call 630-PLAY-BALL or visit BullsSoxAcademy.com to register today. That does it for us. We will see you at SoxFest on Friday at the Hilton. I'm Connor McKnight. This is WLS. AM 890.